What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. Off the bye, we are ready to go. We missed not having a game this past week. I mean, honestly, and we talked about how the bye was early and, you know, we're riding this hot streak. Hopefully this doesn't drown our momentum as conference play arrives. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, like I said, I mean, off the bye, like I said, we wanted a game, didn't have it. Barely any teams played around the league, uh, you know, this past week. A lot were on buys, but the team we're playing this week did play. We'll talk about them at the very end, Noah, a conference rival. Uh, but we have a lot of other stuff to talk to because you haven't been on here in a little over a week and a half. I was here on the buy episode last week, but it's good to be back, Noah, for this home stretch of the conference season. What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, conference playing here is here, and it's it's time to go. I mean, you got eight games left this season, and – um, take it one at a time, get to come back home for the first time in forever here. And uh, just it's family weekend. I mean, best start since 2014. I mean, it's, it's a good time to be a Saluki, Saluki fan. So hopefully, I mean, we were talking about it before we started here. Luke Martin tweeted out expecting more than 10,000. I mean, I, I get it. It's family weekend, a lot of family there. But um, it's like you just said before, it's it, the way this team's playing, it should be more than 10,000 every weekend. Yeah. And we know if basketball is playing really well, they will show out to games. It's like, it's not the same with football. We kind of know that, but four o'clock Saturday, you just enjoy yourself. You have your family, your family weekend's a big one. All these theme weekends are big, but just in general. Yeah. If the team's 0 and 3, 1 and 2, you could see it, even though you don't like fair weather fans, you still want to show up, but yeah, three, no, it's just we hopefully Luke is right. And if he's projecting it, hopefully he is correct. So, yeah, we'll dive into stuff with the matchup. We'll get around the valley, uh, get NFL Saluki updates and some other things. But we'll start off how we always do with the recruit or recruiting. And then obviously our commits, as everybody knows, I talked about in the last one, but uh, we have been in touch with the commits and they have gave us information. Some are giving us info that even they display on their personal account. So it's not like they're giving us any extra info, but we're so thankful that they are. Like I mentioned, the last one, E.T. Harris was given given us stats from his previous five weeks. It's like that was awesome. But pretty much everybody has been in touch with us and we can honestly expect it again, uh, you know, tomorrow leading into the early week after after they do. So we'll dive into those in a second, Noah. But let's dive into a couple uh, in the recruiting front of other guys we've been in on. Let's talk about – I mentioned the last one we had a portal uh, offer, but we had a new one this past week. Dive into that one and then dive into uh, someone that one of our commits know pretty well that we were able to offer him and then a familiar face as well for the next couple classes. Yeah, start, starting with the portal guy. It's a linebacker from Kent State. Um, he's 6'2", 225, three years of eligibility. Uh, we know we always look for – linebackers it feels every year so um a guy that's already jumped in the portal for some reason and um, putting himself out there um offered him right away and a guy we've discussed before and talked about he's he's visited or is going to visit uh kenton lofman he's a kicker size punter four-star number one kicker in the state of kansas went ahead and offered him for the 2024 class um really think um, if we can land one of the kickers and slash punters we're after, it'll just add more competition for that room. Um, then a guy we're coaching staff's probably pretty familiar is um, one of our commits' brothers is Lucas McDaniels' brothers, Cameron McDaniels, a 6'5", 245-pound um, tight end slash DN, just like his brother down in Jefferson Town High School, 2025 guy. Um, I think just like his brother that – um, if we end up with him, it'd be we'll be pretty lucky because they both got F, FBS minimum power five talent. So um, it'd be a guy if we can get his brother here and keep him happy and Coach James and them stay on him, it'd be great. Yeah, it's funny because both of them and yeah, Cameron's a year younger. They're both huge. We knew Lucas was big and. Of the videos that even Lucas posted, videos of the highlights from this past weekend, his undefeated season so far that. I didn't know there'd be two running around out there. That'd be that'd be, you know, scary as heck for a, an opposing high school team that you get two six five guys out there weighing about two hundred and fifty pounds apiece. And yeah, on Cameron's thing, basketball and football, they both play. It's like, hey, if you guys both come here, could be on the basketball team because they'll, they'll be open spots. I joke, but it's just funny. 
there was a recent thing talking about, it, I think it was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was an off thing of talking about when was the last time somebody played football and basketball here. Uh, but that, that, that'd be cool. But they're great on the football field. And like I said, I didn't know Cameron was that much bigger than Lucas. And we offered him today. So it's notable. He tagged Antonio. We wanted to talk about it because it is fresh on the feet of everything. So and we, we talked earlier and I talked in the last one that Lucas did change his profile picture to him in our uniform. So that gives us maybe some more confidence that he would stay, you know, even through all of the other, other teams that are still in on that he's posting about, he still is uh, with good luck stuff, but maybe it's a good sign and he can, uh, you know, talk to his brother a little bit about maybe playing a game one of these days. So that's, that's good. You mentioned the punter and, uh, and kicker and you're right. I mean, that's a, definitely a position that we would want more competition over time and just looking at his because there's big schools in on him and then there's like schools you never heard of it's NAI schools that you've talked about so like in a feed of you know North Dakota wishing him good luck or to tell or ask him to attend a game and then you got uh, Avila University which is that NAI school and then you got Kansas wishing him good luck and then here's the offer from us there's a picture of him at South Dakota State's campus then all of a sudden there's one from St. Mary football. So it's literally it's FBS football, FCS football, and uh, he's all over the board on that. So that's funny. He is from Kansas. So I'm sure it's a dream of his to play at Kansas. We'll see if he goes there, but that's, you know, one that we'll keep an eye out. And then you mentioned, yeah, because, because I think I talked in the last one, that linebacker is going to be thin for us at some point. I say that we, we know of guys that are still have eligibility. There's only, you know, we're ironing out off the top of our head. It's like Bohannock's the only linebacker that's going to be gone next year out of eligibility. So we'll have a lot of guys, but we'll take more because we know, you know, people can be big on special teams. And then you got guys like Jake Perella, who's going to play next year. That's not this year. So that's, that's interesting, but he, he's definitely a name to keep an eye out just because you're right. People entering the portal already and we're already getting in touch with them. You and I is for him as well. So those are the offers that have been coming up. No, let's segue to the guys we know we have already on, you know, for next season. Like I said, they've been DMing us. You can go through, you know, what they've been telling to us over these last couple of weeks. And clearly, you know, they had, um, you know, from the stats from this weekend, who they play, just the typical stuff, anything extra that, you know, besides just the DMs, but we can dive into all of it. Yeah. Let's just start with uh, Lucas McDaniel, since we talked about him a lot so far. Um, last week against DOS, they won 50 to 20. He had six catches for 117 yards and two touchdowns. He did send us that, and his uh, high school did tweet that out. Um, then they already played this week last night. Um, they didn't post any stats from last night yet, but um, they stay undefeated 24 to 6 win over Western High School um, on the road. Um, so 7-0 and Jefferson Town right now. So both are recruits. One commit and his brother we're going to keep track of is a really good um, football team down there in 4A in the state of Kentucky. Um, so it's big time there. Uh, then going to – staying on the defensive side, going to Ben Feigl, um, linebacker. Um, he sent us his uh, season stats, but last week they won 23-17 over Wheaton North. Uh, pretty good football game. Um, he led the team in tackles again. He's a tackling machine, 12 total tackles, um, had two quarterback hurries, had a PBU. So um, he's doing it all for his team. He's leading the way um, this week, I believe. They are on they are on the road at a 5 and 0 Geneva team so that's going to be a really good football game tonight uh, maybe try to find a stream for once we hop off here because those are two very good football teams up in that region so really good job i mean Ben's been a tackling machine he sent us uh, his stats he's leading the way with 32 total tackles on the year he's averaging 8 tackles per game so he's been very good uh, seven tackles for loss already on the year so like I said, like I've been saying, this guy's a tackling machine. Like we've seen some guys in the past that have ended up on this defense. So he's going to fit just fit right in when he gets here. Uh, staying on the defensive side of the ball, um, a guy that I don't think he responded to us, um, but is our cornerback, Denim Mitchell. He is there three and two on the year. Last week, they take a close loss 
two Warren Central, 24-21 in a close loss. And also they are at home tonight against a 4-1 Tupelo team. So that should be a good, pretty good ball game also. So hopefully they can get back on their winning ways. Um, like I said, he did not answer our DM and they've yet I, to post any stats. Yeah, I actually, I try to DM him, but, and the options there, but it said we're not verified to be able to do it. I don't think he's verified either, but you have to be like a specific thing to be able to do it. I, I He's the only one, yeah, that we haven't just because I wasn't able to. All right, then uh, moving, stay on the defensive, by, defensive side of the ball again down in Louisville for uh, Trinity High School, who's three and three, is our DN commit, Nate Tronzo, who um, he said he responded and said he'll start sending us stats, but they got a 45 to 10 win last week um, against St. Xavier. Um, they've yet to post stats for that one as well, but this week on the road, um, against St. Xavier as well out of the Cincinnati area. So they played a St. Xavier in Louisville. Then now they play a St. Xavier out of Cincinnati since they're right on the border. So um, both three and three football teams, he was getting over 500 there. So that's a nice little short trip across the border of Ohio and Kentucky for Nate and his football teams. Hopefully he gets back and he'll be able to DM us. Um, then our last, our last defensive commit, um, is our big guy in the middle, um, Tyrese Reed, 6'6", 240, defensive end. He finally – I think he followed us back. Um, Webster grows 1-3 on the year. Last week they get a 37 nothing win over Parkway South. Um, I believe in that game he did have – let's see here. He had a sack to go along with four tackles, and he had a, two tackles for loss, so – making big time plays. I mean, at the high school level with that size, he's probably moving people. I think he posted his stats today or his highlights today. So definitely we retweeted those, go take a look at those. Um, then jumping to the off offensive side of the ball, going down back to Louisville, Kentucky at Kentucky country day. And our guys and our guy ET Harris um, last week in a 49, 26, win over LaRue County. He went 10 of 14 passing for 252 yards, four total touchdowns or four touchdowns and 21 rushing yards with two touchdowns. So that's a big win. He said he's going to continue to send us his stats on the year. He sent us all his stats for the year. So we'll compile those, keep track of them um, for the best this week. They have a home game against a two and three Holy Cross team. So expect to him to get to seven and oh two. So down there in 1A in Kentucky. Um, so we're going to – hopefully after today we have two 7-0 football teams down in that area. So, E.T., keep doing your thing. Also, another quarterback commit, Blaine Sissons, on a 4-1 Mount Carmel football team. Um, he, he also DM'd us back, thankfully, and said he would send us his stats. Last week he was had 17 carries for 263 yards – had four rushing touchdowns and he had 179 yards passing and a touchdown and a 49 to seven win over Paris tonight. They play an 0 and five Richland County team on the road. So expect them to get to five and one and him to have a big game. So another quarterback looked like he's doing more running than passing. So that's something to keep track of is three quarterback commits technically, but we've seen him catch the ball and he's running the ball a lot. So maybe a position change once he gets here to Southern Illinois. Then our other QB commit, Jake Curry, up at Edwardsville High School. They're 5-0 on the year. He had a 47-0 win over Belleville West um, last week. Um, he DM'd us and said he has 17 passing touchdowns or 17 TDs on the year, 14 passing, three rushing. He's only played 13 quarters in five games to be pulled to do the score. Offense is averaging – 40 per 40 points per game last week he did have um 158 passing yards with two touchdowns he did have a three three rushes for 42 yards so and a touchdown so edwardsville's doing their thing i mean it's a very good school they're at home against a one and four alton team tonight so expect them to stay strong and uh blow out the alton cardinals so 
looking at that. Then some offensive line, which I think our, some of our offensive linemen did DS, DM us back, starting with Quentin Boke over in Evansville rights, um, six and zero on the year. Uh, last week, 38-17 win over Castle. He did text us and said they won their game, had 258 yards rushing for the offensive line, and they protected, had 200 yards passing as well. So their line tonight, and speaking of another game, I'd like to find a stream to, if possible, once we hop off here. They play 6-0 and Evansville Memorial, so two 6-0 teams trying to get to 7-0. They call that the Wrights Bowl, it says here, so – He's doing his thing, so can't wait to see what happens in that game. Then, then down in Owensboro with our guy Jack Lindsay, he DM'd us as well. They're coming off a 61-21 win over Apollo. Um, the, he said the O-line did their thing, opened up holes for the run game. He says he personally feels like he did a good job. He said highlights to come, so can't wait to watch that. They're on the road at Marshall County tonight. Uh, Marshall County's 2-4, and four, so trying to get – Trying to get over that 500 mark for Owensboro to get to four and three after the night. Um, then our last commit, um, Aiden, Aiden Morardi up in Oswego. He did also DM'd us back, I think. Um, said last not, last week he took a 36-14 loss, but he did have one touchdown on six catches for 70 yards. Um, to a good Minoka school this week. They're also on the road against a two and three. Plainfield North team, so both teams there trying to get to three and three. Hopefully, Aiden and his team can get back to 500 and find their groove down the stretch here. Yeah, he said in that game they shot themselves in the foot too. So, you know, multiple ways to do that as a whole as a whole team. But yeah, it's good to see him still doing well. And clearly, we want to win. And most of these guys have been winning. We've been saying like, hey, keep up the good work, stay undefeated, keep those undefeated ways going and stuff. And we have the perfect mix of the right, you know, the right amount of guys of offense and defense that it's it's turning into an awesome class. I mean, these guys are productive. We said before, I mean, we've talked, you know, multiple times about this this previous class that's here now that th- it could go down in history of just having like, you know, awesome productive guys and not everybody's going to be here. Guys will leave and such, but this one's going to be good too. And we were able to pinpoint a lot of guys we love from the 2023 class, but this this 2024 class is going to be special too. And a lot of things, I mean, E.T. Harris said that uh, coach uh, Roland came to see him in his game last week. So he said it was good to get a win in front of him. So that's awesome to know. We know the coaches were out and about and Nick reiterated that on Monday in his presser. Um, but I love, you know, the, you mentioned Quentin, who's, you know, I used to live in Evansville years ago for a short time, but I knew about, you know, however many high schools there were working in sports over there and, uh, there's tons of them and there's big rivalries everywhere. And that's cool that he, they got their own kind of high school bowl and two undefeated schools. As you said, that's awesome. And the fact that him and Jack are sending us, which is kind of everything we wanted to know, we could probably look up the specifics of certain games you could of like what they did, what the whole team did, but them telling us uh, themselves about how they were on the ground, how they were, you know, throwing the ball and everything. And them saying they personally did a good job. They feel like, and posting highlights, it's just, Love that. And, you know, they're pretty – we mentioned, you know, Jack is a three-star and Quentin's pretty good in, in the Evansville area, two-star or not. And, like I said, the perfect mix of offensive and defensive guys that we have here. And, obviously, we're not done. We're hoping to get more guys as time goes on. But, you know, we know there was that window of getting them before their respective senior seasons to where we're able to do what we're doing right now. So there there's clearly will be some that come out of the woodworks – we know, you know, the guys now, Jimmy Athens came out of the woodworks randomly, you know, b- shortly before the season. Now he's being on kickoffs and it's like, OK, like it's just nuts. So we know that'll happen over time. But all these guys are doing a great job of letting us know. Besides, yeah, not being able to DM Denim Mitchell would be nice. Might have a find a different way to get in touch with him if we can maybe get in touch with his school or something to segue like a kind of that. But we don't want to force that kind of stuff. But he's the only one that seems like is having a tough time. We know that. He plays a lot of good teams, and he can only do so much. You know, maybe he's not getting thrown to or stuff, stuff but uh, great job on that again. And, again, shout-out to all of our guys for letting us know all this, and hopefully they keep doing it because we always want to keep knowing what these guys do leading into their playoffs, which we know is always a fun time around here and for them to see if they can go compete for state championships. So another good week for the guys, and hopefully, like I said, they'll get in touch with us in the coming days to let us know how they did. Uh, good luck tweets. We did wish a lot of these guys 
Uh, yeah, Tyrese had his earlier. Lucas had his earlier as well. Uh, and a couple guys have built some of that up here. Uh, but maybe, you know, I guess, well, if we don't see him now, then they maybe we, we won't retweet them after their games are over. But uh, you're right, Lucas and them already played. So um, uh, we mentioned recruits of the ones we've recently offered. Just wanted to mention a guy that we uh, – you know, obviously are still in on that's been making the rounds himself. Drew Doyle, that five-star long snapper, number six in the country, number one in the Midwest for next season. He, like I said, making the rounds, he's been doing a lot of stuff. He was, uh, he was at the Austin P game and he was recently at Tennessee's game last week. So he's getting recruited by SEC schools. So that means clearly he's a five-star for a reason. We know he was at the SEMO. He was at our game versus SEMO on the SEMO side watching it. So he got to see the comeback that we made. So hopefully we made a good impression and we know he was at Kansas State, too. Like I said, making the rounds. It'd be awesome to land a guy like this, even though we have some guys with eligibility at that position, but we'll always take a five-star. That's a guy that can easily play right away. He weighs 240 pounds already. So he's a big deal, but we're expecting him to go big. If we land him, then then it's crazy. With how our special team coaches were able to recruit him, it'd be crazy. But wanted to mention that. Uh, quickly, former and NFL Salukis. We always, it's just fun to talk about Zach Zabrowski. We know he's not here anymore, so it's like, okay, what's the matter? We know we had some big moments here, uh, but he's been killing it as we've talked about with Central Missouri. They're now ranked number 21 in the country going into this week. Uh, he was last week, he was 40 for 48, 369 yards, and five touchdown passes. He's just dominating. I, I'm sure he's on pace to win if they keep climbing the boards, but he keeps putting up numbers. He'll be. Like their Walter Payton, you know, player of the year potentially in his, you know, division two league. Who knows? But he's doing great. We always want to talk about him because he puts up crazy stats to where it's almost like you can't. Um, uh, NFL Salukis this past week or in week three, uh, Jeremy had five total tackles in his game. That was a tough matchup with uh, forgetting who they play off the top of my head now. But Ryan Neal keeps being fantastic. He had 11 total tackles last week, one tackle for loss. And Michael did play. Finally got a catch, one for 10 yards, which is great. Love to see him in action finally. Because uh, I don't know, like I said, I, I feel like he was dressing, but he just wasn't playing. Who knows if he's been dealing with something. Uh, but this is so uh, – I'm pretty sure all those guys lost for the most part. I think they all did. But low, going into this week four, Jeremy gets the Vikings. Uh, it stinks because the Panthers are 0-3. Uh, you know, Ryan and Michael are on a little bit better teams is where it stands right now. But Ryan gets the Saints this week in a division matchup with the Michael. And Michael gets the Jags in London starting Sunday morning. So we'll keep an eye out to see what Michael does in that game. So that's an update on those guys. Now let's get to around the league, around the F FCS. Obviously, I talked about the games, you know, last Friday, what happened. There weren't a whole lot that played around the league. We'll get to that shortly. But, no, there were other good games around the FCS, or I thought so, that happened last Saturday. Um, you know, some that we had some expectations going in for just to be good games, and then they weren't. No, dive into what those games were on Saturday, and then what the before we before we dive into conference matchups, dive into just the, the FCS games last week and this week. Yeah, starting with uh, the biggest game of the week, I thought uh, Montana State versus Weber State. Montana State um, shows why I think they're the number two team in the country still and should be ranked that way with a 40 to nothing win over Weber. I mean, that's just crazy. The, I mean, down in Ogden, Utah on the road and you're favored by seven and you win 40 to nothing, shut them out. Um, just crazy to see that kind of route um, against two top 10 teams in the country. Eastern Washington played UC Davis in a pretty good game, 27-24 win for Eastern Washington. Um, that's a really good one. UT Martin beat North Alabama 37-21 in that game. Um, a couple more. Austin P gets another win over Stephen F. Austin, 22-20. to um, I did see when I was um, coming back from my route today, um, I did see Austin P's I mean, they have the three buses and the cop cars and the trailer all going together up the interstate. They're headed up to Lindenwood this week. So um, they have a, their own, I mean, state escort. And that's pretty cool all the way from Clarksville up to St. Louis. Um, then Delaware played New Hampshire, 29-25 win for Delaware. That's a big game and two top 25 teams. Um, other games that we missed, SEMO. Another another blown lead for SEMO, just a crazy game. 
um, that they they Eastern Kentucky ties it with like 30 seconds left, and uh, I guess another Geno has fumble, and it, then they take then they scored. Um, a game-winning field goal from 46 yards out. The time expired. They scored the last 17 points in, s- in the last six minutes of the game for Eastern Kentucky. I mean, that's just crazy. Semo blowing two games in a row like that. So hopefully that doesn't take a full effect because we'd like to see them win their conference. Uh, Montana goes on the road and loses to one and three Northern Arizona team, 28-14. We we've been talking how Montana's just it's their namesake and how they've been over us for a while and it shouldn't have been and it just shows you that one another really big one of the game idaho beats sacramento state 36 27 so that's a big win for them um then just looking ahead to this week um a lot of games and just start around the valley before we jump around the fcs here or we can go last week illinois state beat lindenwood 48 17 uh the missouri state team we play this week it's a 59 14 win over utah tech and Western Illinois loses on the road at Southern Utah, 37-17. And this week in the Valley, real quick, South Dakota on the road at North Dakota State. Uh, that should be a blowout. Youngstown versus UNI. Can UNI find find a game to get right here to start conference play? Not sure about that one. Um, then uh, North Dakota on the road at South Dakota State. That's probably the game of the week around the FCS. Um, that's the one to watch unless you want to call this one the game of the week, Indiana state on the road at Murray, that'll be a heck of one. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to think that I don't think Murray's the worst. They might be better than Indiana state. Who knows? Record appears to be that way, but yeah, that's the matinee. That's six o'clock. That's the last game of the night. Everybody show up to Murray to catch that one. That that's, that'll be a barn burner. Actually, it very well could be a barn burner. It could be a close game. Who knows? But yeah, those other games, uh, North Dakota hopefully plays in close at South Dakota State, but doubtful. And you mentioned you, even though you and I is a tough place to play, Youngstown. Hopefully they get a test though before they host us next week. And then North, North Dakota State should take care of even a decent South Dakota team. Uh, but even last week, you mentioned that Geno fumbled. I, I, because I looked at the thing to check it because I was like, well, hopefully we're the only team that can really make a guy fumble that never does. But it said that Delorent fumbled on a little on a run play or something. So you're right though. They turn it over again and then they, it leads to a loss. So they're kind of down in the dumps and yeah, for sure. Hopefully they can bounce back more in conference and get going because our comeback against them on the road definitely makes it great for us and strength the schedule and how it looks in the playoff picture at the end of the season. Definitely need them to start turning it around here shortly, but yeah, those other blowouts you mentioned. Um, so yeah, those other FCS games, we'll talk about them on the, on the recap coming up, uh, so yes, conference season is underway quickly, though. The rankings, because we, we're staying around number 10 in the country. There's been some, uh, you know, movement due to, obviously, some people losing. You mentioned, yeah, Montana still ranked 16th, even losing, which is crazy. Youngstown's 19th. SEMO uh, is officially out of the ranks. And then, uh, like, North Dakota is right behind us, so... Uh, some other things that other people have had it around the league, too. We'll get the stats here at some point. But Stan Becton had us, I think, at ninth in his now. Uh, the Blue Bloods had us at ninth as well. Uh, we see the imperialism map from the FCS. Um, and then Fans Nation had everyone's at least having us at nine or ten, which is a good sign. So that's refreshed standings, even though clearly we haven't didn't were able to move and do anything. But other movement happened around us as well. Uh or I guess quickly I had I had NBC stats that I wanted to dive into that a couple of people had just through well we'll get into Missouri State they they swept the awards this week but there weren't a whole lot of other games but just in terms of where teams stand in some rankings in the country I guess I'll I'll get into them as we get along here more but Noah uh, if you had your updated bracketology from where the games stand after this week going into next week, we'll get yours and then we'll dive into Brian McLaughlin had his updated playoff picture as well. But what do you got? Yeah, a little bit of movement since we had some teams that were um, suspected to put up a fight, but they did not like Weber state or Montana or teams like that. I mean, I think I still have it as South Dakota state as the one seed, obviously, so Montana State with my two seed, I th- I've kept them even I kept them there even when they lost to South Dakota State because I still think they're the second best team and it'll end up that way um, once they get 
down the road here, North Dakota State three. I have Holy Cross at four, William and Mary at five, then Idaho at six, Furman at seven. Then I have us getting the last eight seeds, so we'd get that first bye and a guaranteed home game. So um, I still think that we could still cr- climb a little bit because if if you still hang on to that eight seed, that means you're going um, on the road at South Dakota State in the quarterfinals. So. Um, that would be a tough one because you're going to see them at home. Then you just have to travel up there. So some other team, I mean, I dropped SEMO out for now in the OVC. I slid in UT Martin because I think SEMO just, they're in a rough patch and can they get out of it? There's still a lot of football left for the season. But other than that, um, I did add another Missouri Valley team for dropping uh Montana out of my bracket right now Uh, I slid in Youngstown State I think Youngstown's a pretty good football team Um, obviously we see them on the road next weekend but um, still a lot of football left to play but only week four for bracketology there's starting to shape up good for the Salukis and other Valley teams but a lot of football left to go in this year yeah there's been a lot of teams that you know that are you know moving out moving in and We'll segue to Brian's playoff picture in his eyes, and it's it's an interesting one. He does have us at eight getting in, and just looking at all the teams that there are to compete for a natty that we'd love to put our name in that hat of those eight, but just looking at the teams that we already know about of the top teams within Idaho, William and Mary, Furman, Sac State, those, those guys could all go on and win a natty too. We want that kind of parity, even though it seems like clearly at some parts it still could be very top-heavy, but – he has North Dakota State at one, and then South Dakota State at two, Montana State at three. Uh, almost seeds. He's at Holy Cross, Eastern Washington, Villanova. Yeah, barely missed out. Automatic bids. He's got UT Martin winning that Big South OVC, not SEMO. Uh, but he's got Austin P winning that UAC, which is a great sign. And then at large bids, he, he has you and I getting an at large somehow, even though they have one of the toughest schedules there. There are uh, them with Weber and UC Davis, West Carolina, Delaware. The last three teams in New Hampshire, North Dakota, and Eastern Illinois, who are three and one, and they're in that Big South OVC. So, heck, I can't wait for that matchup with SEMO that they're going to have uh, to see how that one goes. If they can just totally flip it on SEMO, and you know, we don't know if SEMO's healthy, but they are blowing games, so they are going to plummet a little bit. And they had just missed teams like Illinois State. He has Youngstown on here, so uh, we can all count on Youngstown to win this week and flip of the coin in our game next week with them and then moving forward in the league that's crazy how he he he, or they are his sixth missed team which is crazy so we'll see how that plays out not thinking Youngstown will be that low in that regard we'll see though but that's where Brian has it all like I said he usually will have his probably every week uh but going to I mentioned the some of the other rankings that there are uh you know, around the league or some stats updates amongst everything about, uh, let's see here, for or the Massey ratings for strength of schedule, we're fourth, which is nuts. Tenth, I think tenth over, and we're tenth in the AFCA. Uh, passing offense leaders after this week, we know Missouri State's got a head start on everybody, but we are still tenth with 288 allowed of offense. Uh, team sacks per game, we are eighth in the country, third in the conference, 3.7 a game. Illinois State with five. That's wild. And South Dakota's got that sneaky defense, as we know, at four, Youngstown at three. So you don't see South Dakota State or North Dakota State up there. Not saying that they can't do it. They have played good teams so far, but we can definitely expect it in our games with them. And in scoring defense, South Dakota State, there it is. They're not getting sacking anybody, but they're great in the secondary, it looks like, overall. They're only allowing 10 points a game. Uh, and then we are fifth in the conference, 18th in the country, allowing 19.7. And then FCS Fans Nation does their top eight seeds at the season end today. They still have us at the one seed getting William and Mary. So everything else is pretty much flip-flopped below us and uh, how it stands and how all that stuff can work out. But we are still one, which is crazy. And then uh, Sam Herter had a thing about Nick Baker being top FCS contenders led by strong quarterback play and a lot of other stuff around the league. Isaiah had something from uh, around the St. Louis area. Prep Sports had an article about him doing good things where he is right now. So we went through all the matchups this week. And, well, quickly, we noticed how Illinois State already came out with their 2020 
four schedule and we are on there of course and we mentioned how this is a year of strange year that we don't play them but we are they are coming to our place next year on october 5th so a sneak peek to one of our multiple games they are have have theirs out maybe by the end of the season we'll have ours out i don't know how quickly that can come to fruition we know it it can be tough to get other fcs leveled non-conference but we know we play byu so there's some games we know about but Hopefully ours gets posted at some point. So we know about that game with the Redbirds next year. So that's pretty much it. Uh, around the league-wise, no oppressor and depth chart updates-wise about current team. Uh, Nick Hill said on Monday that there's no notable injuries through the bye into this into this game and through the bye or through the through game week. But we know anything can happen. I, I talked about earlier, we've talked a couple times, that we need to have one on Monday that talks about the injury report after the previous game. And then, like, just stuff on that game and then have one again on Friday that talks about, well, anything else happened through the week and then the prep for Missouri State because we know Ryan Schwindeman had to have gotten hurt in the week of Northern Illinois and then we didn't see him. So it can happen. Hopefully we don't notice anything like that tomorrow. But injury-wise, we're good. And then there's no changes to the depth chart as we stand today. Jay Jones still on there, guys like that that we have barely seen at all. We'll get to see a lot of that good stuff tomorrow. It's one of our favorite things to scope out. Of course, we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, and obviously, this is a week that, you know, this is the deadline here for the the true freshmen that if they get the play or if they play and that meets the red shirt deadline for the four games, we'll see who continues that. We know Nick Hill talked about how the young guys will have gotten reps through the bye week and we'll see more of them. So maybe some of them will continue to stay. And you can't take off the important guys like Jameer Khan, who fills in and plays special teams sometimes. You can maybe replace him if you wanted to keep redshirt in him. I mean, Jimmy Athens, maybe you can. But if Justin Strong's healthy, which he's still on the depth chart of kick return, that Jimmy won't be that. So I think I think Jimmy's time is over of playing time. So we'll see how that plays out starting not, not this week, but obviously the next week as well. And then we notice how the team and Nick Hill gave Mike Reese a retirement gift with 44 on it for his years which is a cool thing. We've seen Mike everywhere. He was at the SEMO game. He was at – wasn't at NIU, but we've seen him all the other games. We saw him at the scrimmage a month or so ago. So he's still around, of course. That's a great gift for him. So, Noah, it's time to talk about the Bears. And we've, you know, talked about them a little bit leading up to this, about how new they are. But, you know, it's a family affair. Their coaching staff will let you dive into who those guys are. But, again, we talked about how they're one of the five teams that we need to take care of business, you know, it's convenient that them in South Dakota, who I think are clearly the best of the of the bottom five will play, we get them at home. So still need to take advantage of them. We talked about how they swept the awards this week, but they're only one of three teams that played and they had a favorable matchup, Noah. Talk about their dominance in that game. Obviously, we'll get into their personnel, but like I said, their, their staff and everything we know about them uh, off the start here, it's, it, it is. It's kind of a family affair they still got going on there. Yeah, new coach Ryan Beard, who's the uh, son-in-law to Petrino, who just went to A&M to run that offense. But uh, after three years being that D.C. there for him, he gets the gets the head coaching job and also still another Petrino there, um, the, one of the sons of them uh, as the O.C. and the quarterback's coach. But, yeah, this is a team that's preseason picked eighth in the Missouri Valley with not a lot of guys on the preseason all-conference teams. They did have two on the first team, but that's punter Grant Burkett and long snapper Caden Bowles. So um, those are two guys that usually don't want to see on the field, but they're when they're on the field for them, um, as a Bears fan, you know they're going to do their job. Then second team, it was Jacardier Wright for, as a running back. Um, then on that third team, they had tight end Stetson Moore. So this is a team where – uh, new, new, everybody, a lot of transfers on this football team. I mean, Jacob Clark, who's been here two seasons now, see, sitting behind Jason Shelley, originally was at Minnesota, transferred in. Um, he's played pretty well. He's he's led the way in their passing game with um, 889 yards on the on the year with nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, he's he's on the ground as well, using his legs with almost 100 yards on the on the year, um, Jacardia Wright, a guy that's a stud, transferred in two seasons ago from Kansas State and was pretty effective last year. Tough start for him this year, um, only 116 yards on the year with a touchdown, so um, not a, with 39 attempts, so he's only averaging 
only about under three uh, a, a game uh, run. So it's not very good for his offensive line, but they're going to rely on their offensive line um, to protect Jacob Clark and let this offense carry them because their defense, even though they have a defensive minded coach has struggled here from the get go, even though they played pretty good big 12 team in Kansas at UT Martin. Then last week um, they played a nobody. So a lot of guys to watch out for Raylan Sharp receiving the ball, Tariq Owens, Hunter Woods, some really good guys, but a lot of transfers on this football team offensively and defensively um, running. They have a running back, Jakari Moses from Western Kentucky. They got guys from all the way. They got a receiver from UNLV, some linemen from Tulane, SMU. So these are a lot of guys that um, old Petrino brought in, but they've stuck around. So that's a good thing. They like this staff and got guys from all over the FBS and JUCO and FCS ranks where that's, that's really how they've built this football pe- football team. And that's how Petrino's had success so far. It was a rough year for him last year, but um, Coach Beard has done a decent job so far playing a, a decent schedule. I mean, at Kansas and at UT Martin to start the year, we're going to see something like that next year while you're at BYU and at Austin P. So um, two road games to start the year against two, two really good opponents. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And as you know, we've talked endlessly also about them maybe making the jump to FBS, you know, that kind of started with, Bobby, you know, because he's been around, he's done, a, he's had a great career, and he kind of maybe led the 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 first initial charge to do that at some point, just because it's like, hey, they got the facilities, we got the recruiting, we have the money. We know in basketball, we've talked about they have a lot of money; they can disperse a ton of it in basketball through NIL, and they could probably do a decent amount of it for football in their sense. So they have FBS stuff. You mentioned they have a, a pretty good offensive line. That's an FBS offensive line, and they. They kind of have what it takes, you know, and they're able to get in the portal and get all these guys. Yeah, Clark, as you said, he's learned a lot. He learned under Petrino to wear stuff that they are, you know, continuing with his son and stuff, and he's good. I mean, uh, and they have a lot of speed, it looks like. Jakari Wright, as you said, and then, yeah, uh, Sharp, who is a – he is 5'9". You mentioned Moses, 5'9", running back, but Sharp is leading the way for them in receiving. He's 5'9", and – uh, you sent me a video of maybe they allowed also on the on the other side of the ball big plays to Austin, you know UT Martin running backs and stuff and with all this speed they have that breakaway too so it seems like clearly they can do it on both sides they will allow it but they will also give it to you as well um, and they will drop back and pass I mean he's already almost to a thousand yards granted he hasn't had the buy yet so he's had has you know advantage over a lot of people so far but nine touchdowns and two picks. 10 yards a throw, 63% completion percentage. I mean, he's he's a big dude, and he hides behind that big FBS line. And, they, I mean, they're solid. We talked about that before the year, Noah. It's like we looked at their roster, oh, where these guys come from. They're going to be decent. Like, and, you know, they weren't going to be picked high, and we knew maybe it could be another down year all depending just because a lot of things are new. But you're right, those first two matchups have kind of left them battle-tested being on the road and – you know, they're 0-2 on those games, but still, yeah, they fought, and they'll be coming to our place looking to do the same in that sense. And uh, they had another guy, you know, they blew out you uh, the previous team to where they had another guy on here that's had some stats going as well. But it will be most of Clark. He will run as well. You know, he gets out of the fact that he gets sacked, but he's got 20 for 74. Uh, so he makes up for the potential time he has been sacked to, to get those yards to where they are. But like I said, just a lot of big plays. They have good weapons, you know. Uh, watch a little bit of their Kansas tape, just highlights and stuff. I mean, they're decent. And uh, one thing I have noticed as well, even in that Utah Tech game, they had a decent amount of turnovers. And so they had – they had, it says they had two turnovers, but they've had, I think, five on the year where they haven't forced any, and their turnover ratio is at five. They for, or I actually clear that's not the case. They, for, they forced four at Utah Tech, but they – had I think they've lost a lot of fumbles this year, so they kind of are, you know, not the best at taking care of the ball. We know just in the Jason Shelley years, we've sacked him so many times, and they've still found a way to beat us. We know last year was an awesome game. We smoked him in the second half. Well, we got a pick at the start. We whatever it was, they scored, then we got a pick, and then after that, we just blew them out. So it's been some crazy games. They've kind of 
you know, ended our se- or had games where they've kind of put our season in spiral and some even the 2021 season when they beat us in that good year. And then last year we were able to beat them. But just it's kind of a rivalry. We know it, it it's semi is in basketball, but I'd say maybe more in football. It's really hard to say, I guess. But yeah, they got talent for the most part. And we we talked earlier, we know Nick Hill once you know said recently that they've turned down guys that want to come here in the portal to be in this offense because they want to stick with Nick. And you see guys like Jacob Clark who have size and talent. They go to Missouri State from Minnesota. And those are the kind of guys you can have to build to be more. We're not saying we don't like Nick, but just the fact that you miss those ops because they can benefit you at some point. So, Noah, you mentioned their defense. I mean, they have some guys. They have one guy that's leading the way in tackles and such. What else do you have on them? And then we'll dive into more stats and some, uh, you know, some stuff with them over the years. Yeah, they they have a lot of a lot of transfers on this football team, but defensively, it's a lot of homegrown guys that Petrino's brought in. I mean, leading the way by far is a guy that plays safety. He's a free safety, but he's just like PJ Jules, Todrick McGee, leading the team has thirty two tack thirty two total tackles on the year. The next highest is sixteen, so he's doubling. He's in the box making plays like PJ Jules. He's a home. He's been there, redshirt sophomore. Been there. Taj Chambers, another guy who's been there, also a sophomore. Jared Lloyd, Jr., Vaughn Young, Jr., all guys that are just homegrown talent to go around with the other guys that have transferred in. Avery Powell, cornerback that's from Holy Cross. So got a lot of homegrown talent, some guys that their defense has been all right this year, but um, it's – it's conference season now and it's time to them to find their stride. So um, it's time to have that get right game for this defense. And that's, let's hope it's not this week. Yeah. Just prevent the, or stop the ability for them to have explosive plays. And you're right. The defense, we should be able to score on them. We'll touch on that here in a second, but I mean, the all time matchup between the two is pretty close. We lead them barely 23 to 22 in the wins. Uh, we've split the last 10 meetings, five to five. Obviously, we met, we talked about last year, we beat them by 17. We reeled off 38 straight points in that game when we fell behind actually 14 to nothing in that game. So, like I said, some history there. Um, and you're right, you know, a lot of new – but you're homegrown, and that's good to see. You're right. He, he, you know, McGee is right there with PJ in terms of, yeah, leading the way on defense. He, almost exactly. If I look, I'm going to have in front of me at the moment, PJ, they have about the same amount of total tackles leading into this game. And, He's got one more game ahead of PJ too, so it shows that our guy's better. But that's the thing. I mean, they're we need the score on these guys. So no, I mean, let's let's segue now to the to our usual other stuff throughout. Some of these is what a spread could be. You know, you told me what the other day, and we we always talk about FCS Reddit. They had it at eight before with an over under of whatever. If you have that, but no, you you know about a spread that we'll see tomorrow. Like I said, it's good to know. And obviously mention where you got it from too, because it's hard to get those. That's it's good to know it a day before, before when we don't, we never know till a, an hour before game time. What is the spread for tomorrow? Yeah, that spread uh, seven and a half point favorites tomorrow night. I mean, it's it's every time we play the Bears, I always get the spread before he tweets it early in the week. So thanks to Wyatt Wheeler, um, not sure where he gets it all, always early in the week like that, but. Um, usually when we play the Bears in football or basketball, we can find out the spread pretty easily by his tweets. So um, shout out to him for having that. So that's where I was going to put it around eight and a half, nine, but seven and a half is just fine. That leaves room for us to cover um, an over under. I forget where FCS Reddit had it at, but if I were to set one, I would say um, 52 and a half to 53 would be a good number. Yeah, I think over seems appropriate, too, if both teams are able to score. We know what our defense can do, but we expect to score a lot of points more on that in a second. Uh, but, yeah, that's what we were predicted as well, I think. I don't think it would have got up to 10, even though we're playing well. They've lost a little bit, but we know they're talented. So that's maybe the number we would have settled on at the end of the day. Uh, we mentioned attendance. We we always, for home games, always try to predict the attendance. We mentioned how Luke and them are expecting over 10,000. So I'll say probably around the – 10,500 range. Hopefully we know it'll be a wait and see. So if you sports number go, which tweets about it. So we'll see on that. Hopefully it's a good one. No dog to the game. Uh, you know, there's a lot of options here for what, you know, we mentioned there, you know, whether there's rust, whether there's anything for a lot of these guys coming in and what we can expect at the very end, I'll, I'll ask you what your, you know, so far this season is uh, like I did last week to, to end it here after we do this, but 
Who are you thinking, Noah, for, for offensive dog game? Like I said, there are some guys I predicted that expect to hopefully have big conference, uh, you know, seasons when they're not playing at their best just in their own way to start this season. Now, who who could break out for us on offense this year to help us get to the, that point total that we're honestly aiming for? Yeah, I would love to see uh, the ground game get going. So I'm going to go with Roe Elliott. I mean, this is a guy that's 13th in career rushing yards with – 1,879, so if he has a big game getting over 100 yards here, he can jump over uh, 2,000 career rushing yards in this game and jump in almost to the top 10 in Saluki history. That's a good one, yeah. We'd like to run on that defense for sure. A lot of different facets that we mentioned how there's been articles about that Nick Hill talking about he wants to run the ball in conference, so I think we'll see that tomorrow. Good pick. Then I'm going to go with Ryan Schwindeman because – he has had some bad breaks, and hopefully if we get in the red zone and we have options, that big old Schwindeman gets in there and gets his first career touchdown. Uh, we mentioned how Austin P got taken away. So looking for Ryan to be healthy and ready to go. I mean, Aiden Quinn's just phenomenal. He'll get us downfield. Ryan hopefully finishes it off for us. Noah on defense. I mean, again, this group has been everything we could have asked for and more, and they're all healthy going in. We mentioned Iverson Brown Club. We'll see if he plays. We know Desmond's right behind him. If Iverson's not ready to play – uh, but everyone else seems ready to go, Noah, and this could be a big game again where you have a stud in their backfield and we have a decent quarterback to cover. Um, no, I, I'm going to go with a – I don't know. They Like I said, they kind of allow sacks. They don't really get to the quarterback themselves on their defense. No, I'm going to go with Devin Cowan. Last time we were on this field in the first game, he got going. He led the charge and was great. I think Devin gets a sack in this game, and I think, like I said, on that same field that he gets going, gets the crowd behind him and – is able to feed off of that, know who you got, and then go ahead and give us your special teams as well. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be a good battle. I like – we've already mentioned both their names, but I like, I'm like i picking P.J. Jules to outplay Todrick McGee. I mean, P.J., um, top five in pass breakups, tied with James Caesar, Ryan Neal, and Boo Rogers of 24. So if he can um, – get to 25, tie Craig James and make some plays. He's climbed the ranks in career tackles. He has 203 in his career, and he just can climb into the top 40 here as we start this conference play. So I'm going to go with PJ then. Uh, special teams, I'm going to go with Thomas Burks. I mean, our kicking game has yet to been any good so far here and just been very inconsistent. Obviously, they have some guys that can burn you in the return game, but obviously – you got to be a good place kicker, and I assume he's going to still get that starting job according to our two deep. So um, if it comes down to it, we get stalled out in field goal range. He's got to be able to put it through the uprights. Couldn't agree more. That's who I'm going to go with, too. These guys definitely need to get right for this conference season. There'll be a good opportunity tomorrow, even though we'd like to punch it in the end zone. But if you get chances, do it. Kick it out of the end of the back of the end zone, too. We mentioned how last week how Dayton Mitchell got hurt on punts, so – Maybe he'll be healthy, and we mentioned how they are healthy, so maybe we will see him. If not, Jalen Reed's behind him. I was going to pick a returner, but uh, hopefully our offense can set us up no matter what to where I don't have to predict, oh, hey, let's get a returner to give us a good field position. So uh, you mentioned P.J. there, and I just – because I saw a stat that he's like 10th in the country in tackles, and he's first in the in the conference so far. So he's just doing great things, as we know. So there's also a stat, just because I, I look on here about – uh, the offensive line that Luke Martin had a uh, a stat on our O line. If I could find it here, it says he said how how important is consistency up front? Last year, the five games where SIU had the same starting five up front, all were wins. This year, we're three and zero with the same starting five, and expect to have the same obviously tomorrow. Just looking how that is a consistent thing in this game. No, I mean besides, I mean if we could have bold predictions, we always try to do before the game, and it's always kind of a you know on the on the moment kind of spot I mean if I were to just come up with a bold prediction I'll say we blow them out and I'll get to a score prediction here in a second I'll let you do it first and because we know they're talented but you know if we want to set the tone on whatever just because like I said off the top of my head set a tone in conference I'll say we blow them out but give me yours if you have one and then what do you think the final score is yeah if I were to do a bold prediction I think uh our run game gets get going this week and we've been waiting for it to open up some holes for this son. I mean, we heard about it all camp long how this, this line was open up holes and I expect them to do it this week. Um, I'm going with 200, 200 team rushing yards for this to get Roe and Justin and 
Jalen and even Sean and even if Nick Brakel scrambles a little bit. So 200-plus rushing yards for this team. And a score prediction, I got the dogs winning 35-17. Defense allows up a little bit. This is a, a Missouri State team that they come out at halftime and they've outscored their opponents pretty good. So uh, those second-half adjustments by that staff does pretty good. So we may allow something out of halftime. I'm not lying. I was literally going to say 35 to 18 score, and you were one below on theirs. And I'll choose a different one in that aspect. It's crazy how that works. But I'm predicting around the same. I'll say like a 30, I'll say 34 to 20. I'll give them a little bit of a break if they find some points because they're, they're talented. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. Again, I predict hopefully a blowout, hopefully two score blowout. We know it probably won't be the case. We'll see how we continue to play at home. Uh, but hopefully we get the job done, Noah. Just before we end this, and you can have your final thoughts after this. It can kind of be blended together. Be remiss if I didn't ask you the things that I mentioned on the last one here. So far, and, you know, offensive and defensive dogs of the season so far, through the first three games for you, they said mine were Aiden and PJ on both sides. And if you have breakout candidates for the kickoff this conference season – and maybe if you have, you know, if you're going to predict a record change, I, I ended up saying we'll go nine and two. If you if you have changes of yours, just as it stands and where we're where our trajectory is, all of that, Noah, bleeding into your final thoughts. Yeah, if I were to go offensive, I'm going to give it to Nick Baker at the moment. I mean, this guy. I mean, if it wasn't for him to put putting us on his shoulders last and last week or two weeks ago in the second half, and where he's been pretty good, I'm going to give it to Nick Baker. Then defensively. Uh, I'm going with Dune Smith at this moment. He was my bold prediction of him to lead this team in tackles. And I think he's pretty close. He's up there um, towards the top, but he's not going to catch PJ at this rate. So um, I will go with Dune Smith. He's been all over the place. And uh, so those would be my so far. And yeah, I think, I think we, I agree with you, maybe nine and two to jump to that kind of record prediction. Um, I think, eight and three should be the bottom line for this football team at this rate. Yeah. So um, expect a really winning season and it's going to be a good football game. It's family weekend, kind of a weird start time, four o'clock. But um, if Luke Martin's tweeting out, they're expecting 10,000, then you better go get your tickets. Now, if you're listening to this, it's going to be a good football game, a new team, new quarterback, different Missouri state we get to see. So hopefully we come on top. Hopefully we can use this bye week to get better uh, and just fix some things. I mean, we've been terrible on third down conversions offensively, last in the conference, 113th in the nation. We just got to be better than that, and we got to shore up some things defensively that we've given up. Um, been really good with tackles for loss defensively, number one in the conference, second in the nation, uh, third in the conference with sacks. So defense got to be a little bit better. Rush defense been very good also this year with second in the conference, fourth in the nation. So Jacardi Wright's going to have a good day. Let's put the pressure on Clark, let them um, see if they can stop our pass rushers and let our DBs pick him off. So it's going to be a good game. Hopefully you have your tickets by now. So it's a good one. Yeah, I think, again, I got, going in every game, we can like expect the defense to be good. I think that's a safe thing to do even through three games that – they they're going to have hiccups, but we're going to just love what we see and they're going to get the job done. It's all about how the offense is. You just had that stat, did not know about that one. Last in the country in the FCS and third down conversions. And we know this team likes to they get off the field pretty fast and we like to have extended drives. So you just can't have those lulls. And after a bye, definitely you hope to iron so many things out. And that's, you know, deep besides, you know, getting healthy defense, you know, even we mentioned how they're, you know, they let, let up a lot of big plays sometimes. And sometimes on third down, they're not the best either. But small things for the defense to touch up. Offense has a lot to, because we saw it. We saw the comeback against Demo, and that was thanks to the defense to give them back the ball. The offense seems to be clutch, but they need to be clutch from the get go and just kind of set that tone. And, and whoever starts off, you know, after the coin toss, to just set the tone. And make it be known that Missouri State's coming in here and they're fighting against the team that is, you know, is wanting the home playoff game and be a top eight seed. We just need to continue that because everybody's picking us to be that way. So hopefully we can we can make that happen and we don't see many lulls. That's you don't want to see that after a bye week with this early one. So hopefully this propels us moving forward with some tough games on the ledger coming up. So yes, as Noah said, it will be hopefully a 
as Luke Martin in the app and everybody's saying, hopefully it's a big crowd. We have a buddy coming with us again. He got his ticket off everybody else's. There's no discount like the first uh, like the first home game. So haven't been home in a while. Looking to get back on, uh, you know, on keep the winning ways. Definitely at home. Like I said, before the tough games coming up. So for Nick Malone, no alerts. See everybody at Saluki Stadium tomorrow at four o'clock. Go dogs.